Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. Recording in progress. Welcome, welcome to Daily Power Parsha. Today is Friday, October 29th, two days before the 31st of October. Not a Jewish holiday, but nonetheless, this is a special Friday in that we are going to conclude the Torah reading of Chayisara and do the Haftorah, and there's a great, great stories and lessons in store for us. Well, welcome Ray to the party. Ray, welcome to the Shin Dig that we call DPP. Okay, I'm going to share my screen. Stay with me on this. Here we go. We're up to reading number six. So what we've done so far, give me a second. What we've done so far is that we have talked about the passing of Sarah, Imenu, Sarah, our matriarch. We talked about Avram buying a burial plot to bury his wife. We talk about how he laid his wife, his beloved wife, Sarah, to rest. He then proceeds to, to endeavor to work on helping find his son, a shiruch, a match. He sends Eliezer to his old hometown to find a girl suitable. Eliezer travels miraculously, you know, instantaneously finds the right girl, negotiates with the parents, speaks with them, gets their consent, gets her consent, brings her back to Yitzchak. They meet, they get married, and they are living happily ever after in love. Okay. Now the story picks up with Avram. Now what does Avram do? So his son is married to Rivka, to Rebecca. So what's he doing? I'm glad you asked. Genesis chapter 25, verse number one. Here we go. And Avram, Abraham, took another wife, and her name was Keturah. Keturah. Now, here's the interesting thing. According to the commentaries, who is Keturah? We talked about this. Hagar, or Hagar, whatever you call her, Hagar, the former maidservant of Sarah, who, who originally was from the royal family of Egypt. If you recall, I mentioned this a few weeks ago, Hagar was the daughter of Pharaoh. She was an Egyptian princess. When Avram and Sarah went initially, all the many years prior, when they went down to Egypt in times of the famine, and Sarah was abducted in Pharaoh's palace, etc., and then released. So... Um, that's when they first. That's when Hagar first encountered Avram and Sarah, the power couple, and she said, "That's it. I'm leaving the palace, and I'll, I'll rather be a maidservant to Avram and Sarah than be a, 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 a princess in Egypt." And so it was. She has a kid. Once she has a kid with Avram, Yishmael, she gets sent away with her kid. Ultimately, as we talked about, but now after Sarah passes away, Avram marries Keturah, aka Hagar. Yeah, Ray. Um, well, I know we talked about it, but it says here that um, according to most common rabbinic chronology, the nurse was sent along because Rebecca was, but three years old at the time, so that she would have needed someone to care for her. According to Ibn Ezra, however, um, there are also comments that she was older, but it was customary for the nurse of a girl to stay with the person uh, for a lifetime. Interesting. That, thank you for sharing that. So that harkens back to our question a few days ago, like what was the nurse about? Does that mean necessarily yeah. that she was young? So, Ray, you asked the question, I believe, and you have this is a, a very thorough answer. Some say, as I mentioned, as we talked about a few days ago, some say that she was three. It's a bit hard to understand the narrative. But if you say that she's right. older, it's still, there's still an understanding that she would still have a nurse, so to speak, or some sort of assistant that would stay with them for life. Okay, very interesting. Right. It's like, I guess, like a nanny who grows up with the kids and, you know, sticks with the family, that sort of thing. Okay, that makes sense. So, Avra marries Keturah. I'm going to toggle Rashi. Here we go. Keturah. Why? So, Rashi says this is Hagar. There you go. That's, I mean, that's pretty straight up, straightforward. She was called, why, so why was she called Keturah? What's, what's the deal? Why, why give her a new name? That's like strange. She was called Keturah because her deeds were as beautiful as incense. The word for incense is Ketoret, Ketoret, Keturah, Ketoret. So she's called Keturah to show that she was righteous. 
Her deeds were beautiful like incense, like, like beautiful smelling, like beautiful incense. Okay, and a second reason why she's called Keturah is because she tied her opening. That's, of course, a euphemism. For she was not intimate with any man from the day she separated from Abraham, from Avram. So from the, the time that she was with Avram and had a child, she was not with any other person. Um, so, it's, so that's another reason. Keturah means... Uh, Kutra. Kutra means tied. I'm looking at the, at the vowelization here. Kutra means tied in Aramaic. Ketura, Kutra, so, so she was beautiful, like Ketura, like incense, and she was, um, she, pra- she practiced morality, Kutra, tied, etc. Okay, so that's, that's this idea. So she was with Avram, and then ultimately she, after Sarah passed away, she, re- she marries um, Avram. Now, let's talk about their children together. And she bore him, she bore to Avram, to Abraham, Zimran, and Yakshan, and Medan, and Midian, and Yishbak, and Shuach. How many kids? One, two, three, four, five, six. Six boys. Okay. And Yakshan, one of the boys, begot, these are grandkids now, Shiva and Dedan. Okay, those are grandkids. And the sons of Dedan, great-grandkids, were Ashurim, Letushim, and Leumim. Those are the great-grandkids. Ashurim, Letushim, and Leumim. And the sons of Midjan. Midjan, right? Midjan. Midjan we know as a nation. Remember the Jews encountered the nation of Midjan later on in history when they're, encroach, when they're approaching the land of Israel? Anyway, the sons of Midjan, the person, were Epha and Epher and Chanoich, Enoch, and Avida and Eldaah, all of these were the sons or the grandsons or the great-grandsons, basically the mishpacha, the family of Keturah, Hagar, that was born to Avram. Okay, that Keturah that had children with Avram. Okay, and Avram, here we go. Here's the clarification. We spoke about this at length Wednesday night in, in the Torah class. Notwithstanding all of these kids and grandkids, this whole side of the mishpacha, Avram gave all that he possessed to Isaac. You see that? All that he possessed. What does it mean, all that he possessed? Let's see, Rashi. Um, Rabbi Nehemia said, He gave him a permanent blessing. For the whole unblessed be he said, had said to Avram, And you shall be a blessing, i.e. the blessings are delivered into your hand to bless whomever you wish. And Avram and Abraham gave them over to Yitzchak, to Isaac. So Avram gave over his power of blessing to whom? Specifically to Yitzchak. So that's what it means toggle Rashi off for a second. That's what it means that Avram gave all that he possessed to Isaac, his power of blessing, which basically includes everything because if you, it's like, you know when people ask, if a genie gave you three wishes, what would you ask for? I know what I would ask for. Wish number one is, come on guys, what's wish number one? Good health. Uh, yeah, but no, that's my wish number two. What's my wish number one? Being able to retain anything you wanted. Un- unlimited wishes. That's what I'm going yeah. for. There you go. Unlimited wishes. You give me three wishes. My first wish is unlimited wishes. <laughs> Done. Now now we can fabrang. Now we're good, right? Now that I have unlimited wishes, good. Now the list comes out. Good health, right? All, all of the other blessings that we need. The first thing is unlimited, uh, unlimited wishes. But that's what Hashem gave Avram. Hashem gave Avram unlimited blessings. Whatever you bless will be blessed. Not three blessings, not three wishes, unlimited. Who does Avram bequeath this power to? Yitzchak. Not Yishmael, not Keturah, Hagar's other kids, Zimran, Yaksha, Midyan, etc. Not all these, not those sides of the family or that side of the family. Only Yitzchak. Let's continue. What did, I, what did Avram give to the other side of the family and to the sons of Avram's concubines? Avram gave gifts, and he sent them away from his son Isaac, just like, as we mentioned Wednesday night, just like Sarah had done when she sent Ishmael and, and Hagar away so as not to be a negative influence. Avram sends away all, this other, all these other children and grandchildren away from his son Isaac while he, Avram, was still alive. In other words, it was Avram's doing. He, he chose to follow Sarah's path in sending away the others. It says my internet is unstable. Can you guys, uh, am I cutting it out? Am I cutting out or is it good? You came out in and out a bit. 
You were coming in and out a bit. All right. right. Is it clear? Is it okay I now? Back. I think it's okay. All right. Good. Oh, unless he disappeared. No, I'm no, here. I don't see him I'm anymore. here. Can you see me? We Can don't see no. you. No. No. You don't see me. Hold on. No, we don't see you. There you are. Now we see you. Good stuff. I'm back. By the way, like the moon, I never went anyway. I never went anywhere. It's just you know one of these things. Okay, back inside. I'm going to share my screen. Hopefully, we won't, we won't have more glitches. Okay, so he sends away. Huh? Can you see? I was just going to say, Yas is the town in Australia where there are a lot of lab lavas. Ah, Yas with three <laughs> S's? What? Two, two, I think. I don't know. Uh, my friends. I think, I think it's the same. Three, S, yeah, three S's. Oh, three S's? And what? Uh, you know, I feel like it's like a slang for something, but... Like, yes, y'all. Really I know, like, yes, yeah. you know, I, I don't know. I, know we I, gotta, went we to gotta... the, I went to Duncan Hines and, and wanted to see if they had a mold for a llama in the cake mix, but no. So why are they calling it the llama cake? Signature signature llama cake. Look at this. Signature, signature mold, you know llama what I'm cake. I I know. Look at this cupcakes. What's that? They have the they have the decoration instructions for how to. Unbelievable. If you can't trust Duncan Hines, who can you trust? Seriously. Right. <laughs> Seriously. What kind of world do we live in when when llama cake doesn't come with a mold or you can't even buy the accessory? What do we have right. to do? Go to Amazon and figure this out? Right. Come on. This is ridiculous. It's <laughs> amateur hour. All right. Let's get back inside. Let's get back inside. All right. So here we go. So Avram, like Sarah, sends away the others. He sends them eastward to the land of the east. Very dramatic. Eastward, if you want to look in, in the Hebrew, Kedma, El Eretz Kedem. Kedma means eastward to the land of Kedem. Not the grape juice. Kedem means east. Let's continue. All right, now the Torah wraps it up. And these are the days of the years of Avram's life that he lived. So you know what's going to happen now. We're going to read about his passing. So the Torah summarizes how long did he live? 100 years and 70 years and 5 years. Not 175 years, but 100 years, 70 years and 5 years. Why does the Torah split up each segment by saying the word years? So Rashi explains, when he was 100 years old, he was as one who was 70 years old. And when he was 70 years old, he was as one who was 5 years old without sin. In other words, his 100 was like his 70, his 70 was like his 5, he was pure of sin, he was a righteous person. So this is like the Torah almost eulogizing Avram in a subtle fashion when it counts the, the, the years of his life. And Was Av that Sarah? They did 120 and Yes, seven. 100 years, 20 years, and exactly. The same, same idea for both Sarah and now Avram, exactly. And verse 8, Avram expired and died in a good old age. That's a really beautiful uh, phrase. Beseva... Tova, beseva tova in good old age, old and satisfied. Look, I mean, uh, let's talk about a blessing of a full life. A good old age, old and satisfied. Zakin v'savea. That's beautiful, beautiful blessing. Lived a full, full life, and he was gathered to his people, which is a euphemism for returning to the earth, uh, from whence people come. And Isaac and Yishmael his sons buried him in the cave of Machpelah, that same cave that he bought for his wife, in the field that we read about at the beginning of this week, in the field of Ephron, the son of Tzohar, the Chittite, which faces Mamre, Tzohar, sorry, Tzohar, the, the, the Chittite, Chittite, which faces Mamre, he, they, his children, Isaac and Ishmael, buried him in that same cave next to our matriarch, Sarah, his wife. The field that Avram had bought from the sons of Chet, there Avram and his wife Sarah were buried. So the Torah clearly says Avram is buried next to her. Now it came to pass after Avram's death that God blessed his son Isaac and Isaac dwelled near Be'er Lachai Ro'i. Okay, so this is the, the, the passing and uh, the, the, the end of the story in the Torah of, of Avram. Of course, we continue the legacy, but... His personal story is concluded here. I do want to mention something that's very, very important. Who buried Avram? It says Yitzchak and Yishmael. Isaac and Ishmael buried him. Who's, who's mentioned first? 
Isaac, even though Ishmael was 13 years older than his brother, than his younger half-brother. Ishmael was older, Isaac was younger. Isaac is mentioned first. And, and the commentaries say that even here, that at this point, Ishmael already had acknowledged that Isaac should be should be the one who's, uh, who, who, who's first to be mentioned and first to bury their dad. Um, this is what Rashi says, quoting the Talmud. Here we go. From here we deduce the fact that it says first Isaac and then Ishmael. From here we may deduce that Ishmael repented. He did shuva, And let Isaac go before him. And that is the meaning of a good old age, which is stated regarding Abraham above 1515. In other words, what does it mean that he lit, well, good old age was right here. I don't know why 1515. It's literally right here, good old age. What does it mean? Seva tova, he passed away in a good old age. It means he had nachas from his kids. They weren't fighting anymore. Are you with me on what I'm saying? He had nachas from his kids. His kid Yishmael did shuva. He repented. And he recognized that Yitzchak was going to be the one to carry the legacy. And he was okay with that. This is the ultimate blessing and why Avram passes away. But Seva tova, in good old age. In a ha- with, with happiness, with a smile, because his son, the family is complete, the family is whole. One of the greatest pains for a parent is when the family is not whole, when there's infighting, when there's drama, when there's you know, negativity amongst, amongst the children, between the siblings. That is not, a, it doesn't give the parent nachas, whether in their lifetime or whether after the lifetime, whether when they're strong and healthy or whether, on their, whether they're on their deathbed. It just, it's not a good feeling for a parent to see kids fighting. And so as long as Yishmael, not that Yitzchak was fighting with, with Yishmael, but he was a negative influence. He had to send them away. He was involved, we mentioned before, in uh, they, they saw Mitzachek, which means adultery and idolatry and, 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 and murder. Uh, Yishmael was involved in all sorts of negative things, and that's why it was, it was necessary to send them away. But ultimately, the Torah tells us, and the, the, the Torah alludes to it, and our sages tell us that Yishmael did shuva. He repented. He became a, tzai, he became a righteous person. And he reconciled with his brother, and he said, "You know what? I th- I'm 13 years older, but you got the leg. You you got the the chain is going through you." So he let he let Yitzchak, his younger brother by 13 years, go first in the burial procession or in the burial arrangements. That's a very special thing, and that's why Avram passed away. Besevatova in good old age, in a positive disposition. Ray. Um, here it says something interesting. It, it says. These are the sons of Ishmael. Uh, and then it says um, that th- their names were names of fortified cities. And um, and these are the names of their open cities and by their strongholds, whether or not they took up residence in open cities. What does that mean? And who is Radak? R-A-G-A-K. Radak is, Radak is a biblical commentary. Well, that's and, what it says. Yeah. yeah, and he says he named them after the the cities. Or uh, he, he, the names he gave them are the names of, yeah, fortified cities. It says whether or not they took up residence in those cities or not. Right. So basically, it's not that the, that's not that the kids were named after the cities. The cities were named after the kids. It's kind of like, um, like Pittsburgh is named after Sir William Pitts. I'm joking oh. about that. No, no, that's a joke. Oh. No, that was that was fake. <laughs> it's fake news, guys. Come on, seriously. Um, no, but you have sometimes a city that's named after a person, right? Like Washington, for example. Yeah, Washington. Can we confirm it's named after George Washington? Yes. Yes. What? Mm-hmm. Does anyone know this? Washington D.C. Are we sh- are we sure about this? It must be. It's got to, right? I mean, Sarah's a great, listen, we got two already. We're good. Look, it's got to be Washington, D.C., the capital and the first president, George Washington. Like the odds, the odds are in our favor to say it's, it's named that. So what I'm saying is that that's the meaning of this. People had kids and they named cities after their kids, after these leaders, after these, you know, these strong people. And they sort of fortified cities, whether the, whether George Washington. You're correct about these. There you go. You're correct. Perfect. You're correct. Perfect. Good. I like it. Honestly, I get my information I from. I get my information from the llama. That's that was a joke. So I, I got to got to jump in on this. So here we go. So the llama told me it's we have a thing going on over here. The llama says yes. 
This is what happened. They, they would no, name. He say yes. He says yes. Yes, yes. This is what happens. That the 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 people named the cities after the after the the people. They were named after people. Whether or not the people lived, there's another question. So did George Washington have a home in George in in Georgetown? Georgetown. You ever wonder why it's called George Georgetown? In Washington, there's a place called Georgetown. What else do you need? A statue? A plaque? I mean, come on. George Town. George Washington. There you go. Oh, no. I froze. Am I frozen or am I real life? Georgetown might be King George. I won't. America? I won't tell. Are you joking? I won't. Donna, I won't tell if you won't tell. Here you go. That's it. Let's let's keep it a secret. Listen. Let's pretend it's George Washington, like like yeah, the yeah. obvious thing. Whether it's, whether it is or not, yeah. the llama says yes. By the way, it says I love llamas on the llama, on the cape. Did I freeze again? Can you guys see me? Am I frozen? You're back. I'm back. Back and better than ever. The the good news is all you mint all you guys missed were bad llama jokes, so we're good. Oh, by the way. If a 1L Lama is the Dali Lama and a 2L Lama is the animal, what's a 3L Lama? You guys with me? Uh-oh. Are we, are we on the fritz? Hold on. Recording in progress. All right. Oh, you're, Rabbi, you have to unmute. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Can you guys you see me now? Cell phone or no. Are you on your laptop? Laptop. The Wi-Fi is not great here. You could do a workaround. You could do your your um, your visual. Oh. On your cell phone. That from I've tried. Mobile. Right, I've tried that. It creates an echo. Last time I tried that, it created an echo. No, you have to. You have to not join with audio. You can't have two audios in the same room. All right. I th I think we can. We can. We'll. Uh, we'll muster through. We'll. 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 We'll push our way through this. So, guys, if a one L llama is the Dalai Lama and a two L llama is the animal llama, what's a three L llama? Hunkin died. Hunkin Hunkin cake. No. <laughs> A three alama is a really big fire. A three alama. All right, guys, come on. Three alama. Three alama. Alarmer. Three alarmer. Okay. Oh yes, it was as bad as advertised. Okay, now let's get back in. So let's do reading number seven. Now that we learned about the um, the offspring and what happens next, let's get back inside to. Number seven, Shvi. This is tomorrow's reading. This is how we conclude the Torah reading. Now, verse uh, Genesis chapter 25, verse 12. Thumbs up if you can still hear me. Yes? Amazing. All right. Good. Now, these are the generations of Ishmael, the son of Avram. Now that we know that Ishmael did shuva, he repented, a good guy. So what's with his family? Let's talk about his family. These are the generations of Ishmael, the son of Avram, whom Hagar the Egyptian, Hagar the Egyptian, the maidservant of Sarah, bore to Avram. Yeah, that's the family tree. And these are the names of the sons of Ishmael by their names. According to their births, the firstborn of Ishmael was Nevayot, Nevayot, and Kedar, and Adbael, and Mibsam. These are the people. Yes? Still with me? Thumbs up? Yes? Okay, good. And Mishma, and Duma, and Masa, and Hadad, and Tema, and Yitur, and Nafish and Kedma. Wow, a lot of sons. How many sons does he have? Let's count. Um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Huh. Look at this. Tribes. Yep. Yep. Not insignificant. In other words, it's not meaningless, it's meaningful. He had twelve sons. These are like the twelve other princes, if you will of the line of Ishmael that ultimately becomes a different people, the father of, uh, of other nations. But this is 12, 12 tribes, if you will, of Ishmael. Let's continue. Are they still Hebrew names? 
Rabbi, are all these still I, I don't know. No, 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 sorry. If you're asking if these names are used today, no, 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 no. No one uses no, these No, 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 I meant at the time. Yeah. I don't know. So I, I, that's, what, that's what I thought you were answer, asking originally, and then I thought maybe something else. But yeah, if that's what you're asking, I have no idea. I don't know if they were like Hebrew names, Jewish names, or just local names, but this is the know. Hebrew pronunciation. I have no idea. I have no idea. I mean, because it's interesting. Of course, that's we're just, you know, I mean, how it evolved, you know, after the 12 tribes, how things evolved. We, we understand that Ishmael is the father of the Arab nations and the father of Islam. But of course, Islam... And that, that emerges much, much later. So ultimately, I guess it has to be somehow the origin, origin, origins of, of, of the Arabs. So how does it work exactly? How does that family tree continue to evolve? I don't have those details. I'm sure it's written up somewhere. But it's interesting that we find 12 tribes, or sorry, not tribes, 12 sons, just like Jacob will have 12 sons. It's, it's just um, it, it, the symmetry is uncanny. All right. So these are the sons of Ishmael. And these are their names in their open cities and in their walled cities. Twelve princes to their nation. There you go, twelve princes. We didn't have to do the count. The Torah does the count. Why was I wasting time doing the math? There you go, twelve princes to their nations. All right, that's it. So now we know about Ishmael and that side of the family. Good. Now he passes away, and let's read about his passing. And these are the years of the life of Ishmael. How long did he live? One hundred years and 30 years and 7 years the same the same number the same counting sequence the 100 years the 30 years and the 7 years and he expired and died and was, and was gathered to his people and all of these i have to tell you the fact that it splits up years 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 the fact that it says he expired and died and was gathered to his people all of these are expressions that the torah only uses with regards to righteous people this is another indication that he passed away as a righteous person even if his kids weren't Jewish and didn't go in a Jewish and went in a completely different path. He did, he himself did teshuva. He came back to a good place and that's how he passed away. And they, his family, dwelt from Havila to Shur, which borders on Egypt, going toward Asher before all his brothers he dwelt. So you see already where they're living. They're living toward Egypt. Again, this is the father of the Arab nations. So this is the story. Let me just quickly see if there's a Rashi that I want to mention. Uh, 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 nope, that's it. I mean, there's some important rashes there, but nothing that I want to get um, in, inside right now. Okay, so this ends the Torah portion. Let me stop sharing for a moment and let's schmooze. This formally concludes the Torah portion, but not the Haftorah. We're still going to do the Haftorah, and, and boy, is it a story. It's, it's a very important story and, and also ties in beautifully with this week's Torah portion, which I'll explain soon. But first, let's, let's close it out. So what we had this week, as I mentioned Wednesday night, are two major narratives. Sorry. Three major narratives. The passing, purchase of a plot and burial of, of Sarah. The passing of Sarah, purchase of her burial plot and her laying, being laid to rest. It's one story. Finding a wife for Yitzchak is story number two. And Avram remarrying and having kids and Yishmael's, like, and all that stuff is the last part of the Torah portion. The moral of the story is, at, the, at least what we read today, is that notwithstanding the fact that Avram had other kids, that Yishmael had done tshuva, he had 12 sons of his own, they were mighty and powerful and created cities and walled cities and open cities. Despite all of that, the Torah tells us clearly that Avram gave his special blessing to Yitzchak. And what's the blessing? To bless others. But that's really the Jewish blessing, right? That's the one when, Av when God said to Avram, Lech Lecha, go and I'll give you the blessings and this is going to be your thing and we have this covenant thing going between us. That's the blessing that, that, that Avram, that Abraham gives to Isaac. So the Torah is very clear. The Bible, the Bi this is straight up Bible. The Bible tells us that the, that the lineage is traced from Abraham to Isaac. I mean, I, I, don't, I haven't read a King James edition of it or another version of it, but I, I can't imagine there's any other way to translate that Avram gave everything that he had to Isaac. It's, it, it's what it is. I'm just emphasizing this to say that this is obviously the Jewish claim about the legacy of Avram, where it goes and how it transmits. And then Yitzchak, uh, for his part, will give it specifically to Yaakov, to Jacob, and not to Ishmael. And that's, of course, the story with the blessings, which is its own parsha, its own section, which we'll get to. All right, so that closes it out today uh, for the Torah reading. Now let's jump to the half Torah.
as I mentioned, the, the major stories of this week's Torah portion, a lot has to do with legacy. A lot has to do with legacy. Avram trying to ensure that his, his that we, what he lived for, what he built, would have legs to carry on after his wife's passing, after his passing ultimately. And that's why he endeavors so strongly um, to make sure that Yitzchak gets married so that he can continue the legacy forward. Are you with me on that? You know, I feel like maybe I should clarify. Let, let me clarify quickly. And, and I want to show you, I want to show you a verse that we read a few days ago. Okay, so bear with me. Genesis chapter 24, verse 1. This was, by the way, in the second reading. So we did this on, I guess, Monday. It says, And Avram Abram was old, advanced in his days, and the Lord had blessed Avram with everything. So he says to his servant, Make a promise and make sure you find and, and, and find a wife for my son. But the, again, the introduction is Avram was old, advanced in days. Which means that as he's getting older, as Avram is getting older, he's thinking, okay, I have a son, but my son's not married. And if we want this to continue beyond just my son, if, if I want this to continue to the next generation, after, my, after the next generation, in other words, generation three, we got to... We got to get Yitzchak married. We got to we got to make this happen. We got to get the next, the wheels turning. So what we see here is Avram is concerned with legacy or with continuity. The story that we're going to read in the Haftorah. This is my introduction. The story that we're going to read in the Haftorah is King David. Listen to this. King David endeavoring to make sure that his monarchy has a continuation. Are you with me on this? It's how he ensures that his kingdom, his sovereignty is going to continue into the next generation and beyond. And that's what King David does. So the, the similarity between the Torah story and the half-Torah story is it's about parents seeking, not longevity, but seeking longevity to their mission. Seeking perpetuity. Seeking um, a, con a continuation to, their, um, to what they lived for and what they, what they were all about. All right, let's read it inside. It's a very interesting story. It comes from the book of Kings. It's actually the opening verses from the book of, from the book of Kings 1. So it's, all right, so this is uh, um, book of Malachim, and this is, this is it. This is the opening. I'm going to share my screen. Let's look at it together. Remember what it said about Abraham? Abraham was old and came into his days. And King David was old. He came into his old age. Yeah, like very similar. This David That phrase Zakain Babayamim. He was old and came with his days. That's the identical phrase that it uses with Abraham that I just showed you in that verse, chapter twenty-four, verse one of the Book of Genesis. So Kings one Kings chapter one verse one says the same thing about King David. King David was old. He came into his old age which means that's the beginning of somebody who's looking to make sure this is going to have continuity. So, and they covered him with clothes, but he was not warmed. I mean, physically he was old and cold. Yeah, You know this sometimes with elderly, elderly individuals, they're very cold. Very cold. And um, it's hard to stay warm. And his servant said to him they had a strategy. Listen to this. Listen, it's not something that you and I would, uh, whatever, but look. And a servant said to him, Let them seek for my lord, the king, a young girl, a virgin. And she shall stand before the king, and she shall be to him a warmer. And she shall lie in your lap, and it shall be warm for my lord, the king. That was the advice that the servants came up with. Let's find a young girl, and let her be in physical proximity to the king. Not necessarily suggesting anything more than that, but just that itself would warm up the king on a few different levels and that, that will be beneficial to the king's health. Verse 3, And they sought a beautiful young girl throughout the borders of Israel. And who did they, found? Who did they find? They found this young girl whose name was Ab Avishag the Shunamites. Avishag Hashunamit. Avishag the Shunamites. And brought her to the king. And this young girl was very beautiful. And she was a warmer to the king. And she ministered to him, but the king did not... Oh, it says right here. I'm sorry for, uh, 
for um, theorizing, it says clearly, the king did not know her. And of course, know her, yada'a, is a euphemism for intimacy. So there was no, it didn't go beyond that. There was some sort of physical proximity, and she helped the king, and it was beneficial to the king's health, but nothing went beyond that. All right, let's continue this story. And Adoniyahu, the son of Chagit, exalted himself, saying, I will be king. So let me explain what's going on here. David is the king, but David's old. And David's, at this point, he's not just old, he's like really old to the point that he's physically just not... If, he, if he's like, so to the point that they need a, a young woman to be... like, If that's where it's going, he's very old and kind of, let's just say, out of things. So now there's a bit of a vacuum. And so this guy, Adonayahu, the son of Chagit, says, I'm going to be king. Who does he say that to? He doesn't say it to the king, to King David. He says it to himself. But now he starts gathering his followers. And he made for himself chariots and horsemen and 50 men to run before him. So here you have a guy. Sorry? What does that mean, 50 men to run before him? You know, like a king would have a chariot and then a royal procession of like, you know, like in a parade, you have like people in front of the parade before the big floats. So like when you had kings and queens, you, when you had royalty, there would be people that ran before, you know, the runners before the king and the queen to announce or whatever it is. The point is he had Hevra with him. He, had not, he wasn't just a guy that says, hey, I'm the king, vote for me. This was a guy who put together the appearance of royalty already. He got himself a chariot. He got himself horsemen. He got himself 50 people. He got himself a, a crowd of followers to already create that momentum. You see what's going on here? This guy feels like there's a bit of a, of a space that he can now slip into. That's his strategy. Okay. Okay, here we go. And his father had not angered him all his days, saying... Why have you done so? And he too was of very handsome appearance, and she bore him after Avshalom. So what's going on here is the following. Let's see if we can have a Rashi. Let's see if we have a Rashi here. Look at this. That is to say that his mother reared him in the same spoiled manner that Avshalom's mother reared him. <laughs> so I guess, yeah, if, what does it mean to, look, 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 his father had not angered him. What does that mean, Rashi? His father never angered him. This episode teaches you that he who refrains from rebuking his child brings him to his death. In other words, if you don't um, discipline, then you end up spoiled child. Spoiled child. So that's what's going on here. That's what his father had not angered him. His father had never rebuked him and never, again, not that the not that a parent should get angry at a child. I want to, I want to modify this a bit, but, but no um, discipline is not good. And he was of a handsome appearance. So Avshalom about whom is written and as Avshalom there was none so handsome, this caused them, both them, Avshalom and Adonayahu, to be proud. Basically they were both handsome and the, the, what we're reading about the, the story of of um, of, um, of Adoniyahu, or Adoniyah, uh, and he was, he was proud, he was spoiled, he was, he, had, he was prideful, and this, of course, is going to lead to him thinking he can do things that he just simply is not allowed to do, which is like take over the throne of David. So, and he conferred, and he, Adoniyahu, conferred with Yoav, the son of Tzeruyah, and with Aviasar, the priest, and they helped by following after Adoniyahu. So he got now followers. He got now people that were in with David. He got them to come over to his side. Are you with me on this? He got people that had been loyal to David to now align with him in his attempt to take over the throne. And Sadok, the priest, and uh, Vinayahu, the son of Yehoyada, and Natan the prophet, and Shimi and Rei, and the mighty men who were David, were not with Adonio. So these people, these righteous people, did not align with Adonio. These people did. Verse 7, people did. Verse 8 is telling us the people that were, that were of influence that rejected this young upstart, this Adonio guy. 
Okay, and Adonios uh, slew sheep and oxen and fatlings by the stone of Zochelet, which is beside En Rogel, En Rogel, and he called all his brothers, the king's sons, and all the men of Judah, the king's servants. By the way, Adonio was one of David's sons. I forgot to mention that. Adonio, this upstart, was one of David's sons. He had David had uh, sons from a few different wives, and this is one of his sons who now is uh, is is making himself a uh, we would say in Yiddish a big macher, like a big uh, a big shot. Um, and Nathan the prophet and Binyav, the mighty man, and his brother Solomon, he did not call. So he called these guys that he felt would be loyal to him, but the people that he knew would not be loyal to him, including Nathan the prophet and others, and of course Solomon. Okay, Solomon, his brother, or half-brother, Solomon, right? Solomon, we know the story of Sol- Solomon becomes king next, but this is, the, this is how that happens. Adonio want is, wants to become the king, and, but these he does not call because he's trying to just make an end around here. And Nathan the prophet said to Bathsheba, Solomon's mother, saying, You have surely heard that Adoniah, the son of Chagit, again another wife, has reigned, and our Lord David did not know it. In other words, have you heard? Okay, so I hope that, I just want to be as clear as possible. David had multiple wives and multiple children from those multiple wives. From Bathsheba, he had Shlomo, Solomon. From this woman, Chagit, he had Adoniah. So the prophet tells Bathsheba, the mother of Solomon, do you hear that this guy Adonio, one of David's other sons, is calling himself the king? And he's acting like king. And he's assuming the throne almost. And David has no idea what's going on. And now, come, I shall count the prophet. The pro- he was a, a righteous spiritual prophet, spoke with God. And now says the prophet to her, come and I shall counsel you with advice. And you shall save your life and the life of your son Solomon. Because he's, he's, about, he's about to get ramshackled and, and overrun here. And end, it around, and end around it. Yeah? Go and come to King David. He, the, pre, the prophet, the prophet Nathan tells David's wife, Solomon's mother, Bathsheba, to go to, your, go to King David. And you shall say to him, Surely you, my lord the king, did swear to your maid, in other words, me, saying that Solomon, your son, will reign after me and he shall sit upon my throne. Now, why, do, why did or why does Adonijah reign? So the, 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 pre, the prophet says to the mother, go to your husband, David, and say to him, didn't you promise me that my kid, our kid Solomon will be the next king? So why does Adonijah sit on your throne? You with me what's going on here? David's out of the picture almost. David's like... He's with the, you know, he's trying to stay warm, right? He's, he's not well. He's not around. Adonio is already calling himself king, running with, pre- and, and he has followers here. And this is dangerous. It's not the way it's supposed to be. So the prophet goes to the wife, the mother of Solomon, says to go to your husband and say to him what's going on. Behold, you are talking there with the king and I shall come in after you. So here's the strategy. You'll, you'll say this to to David, King David, and then the, the, the prophet Nathan says, and, and then I shall come in right after you and I shall complete your words. In other words, I'm going to corroborate your words by saying, this is crazy what's going on. Are you with me on the plan? So now you have not, one, not just one person complaining, or if you will, uh, bring it to David's attention. You're going to have two people. You're going to have the wife and the prophet at the same time simultaneously as if it's uh, it not coordinated but saying, oh my gosh, what's going on? Oh my gosh, what's going on? And that's going to get David, you know, hopefully on, on, uh, on, on to take action here and to end this. So this Rabbi, is what happened. Rabbi, excuse me. Is there any confusion? Do sometimes people want, like, proof that the prophet was really a prophet? Okay. Natan was a real deal. Natan Hanavi was a real deal. He's the one that chastised David after David was with Bathsheba. And that's, that's a story unto itself. But no, Natana Navi was, yeah, he approved himself. He was, a, he was like legit. He's like, he was a prophet. Like we know uh, Samuel and Elijah and Elisha, Natan, he was, he was a real deal. But Natan says, look, sometimes on the ground, you got to make it happen. This is what's going to happen. You're going to go in and tell David what's going on with, the, with this succession of the throne. And then I'm going to come in and, 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 and corroborate and we're going to make this happen. So Bathsheba comes in to the king, came into the king, into the chamber. And the king, again, was very old. 
and Avishag, the Shunammites, minister of the king. So imagine the scene. She comes in, and he's just like, he's older, and she, this young girl is there to keep him warm and whatever it is. So he's clearly not paying attention to what's going on. And Bathsheba bowed her head and prostrated herself unto the king, and the king said, What is your wish? Why are you here? What would you like? And she said to him, My lord, you swore by the Lord your God to your maid, to me, saying that Solomon your son shall reign after me, and he shall sit on my throne. In other words, you promised me that our child that we had together, Solomon, would be the successor to the throne. And now, she says to her husband David, Behold, Adonijah has reigned. And now, my lord, the king, you did not know. In other words, you, you're not even aware of this. But Adonai is sitting on the throne. And he has slain oxen and fatlings and sheep in abundance. And he called all the, I don't know if it was a sacrifice or a sign of power or whatever it was. And all the king's sons, then Aviator the priest, then Yob the general of the army. He's aligning all these things with him. And he's doing acts of, 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 of sovereignty. But Solomon, your servant, he did not call. Solomon's being cut out of this. What's going on? And you, my lord, the king, the eyes, listen to this, Oof! listen to this line. And you, my lord, the king, she says, the eyes of all Israel are upon you. Everyone's watching and waiting. What are you going to do about this? That you should tell them who shall sit on the throne of my lord, the king after him. Everyone's waiting. What do you decide? You told me privately that it's going to be my son Solomon. But now... You're not paying attention. This guy's there. He's, a, he's creating a, a massive alliance for himself. So now the question is, King David, what do you say? What do you say? No. What's the verdict? And otherwise, when my lord the king shall sleep with his fathers, and I and my son Solomon shall be considered offenders. In other words, otherwise, if you don't say anything, that when you sleep with, when my lord the king shall sleep with his fathers, in other words, when you will pass away, I and my son Solomon shall be considered offenders, in other words, we'll be outcasts, we'll be outsiders. You with me on this? So Bathsheba, Solomon's mother, hears about this from Nathan the priest, let's create a strategy, you go into the king and plead your case, and she does. Very convincingly, I may add. She says to him, here's what's going on, here's what's happening, Here's what Adonio is doing. He's already sitting on the throne on some level. He's making an alliance and creating a, a following. And it's, and you promise me, and everyone's looking at you. What are you going to say? And if you do nothing, then we are cut out, me and my son. And behold, she was still speaking with the king. Right? Remember the plan? He's, the, the prophet's going to come in, barging in with the same story. So she was still speaking with the king, and Nathan the prophet came. He was waiting for his cue. He jumps in. And they told the king, saying, Behold, Nathan the prophet. In other words, they obviously had to tell him who was here, so you understand how old he was. So they said, Nathan the prophet is here. And he came in before the king, or maybe he was outside. So I, I, Okay, so maybe he was outside, so they told him that he's here to see you, and they let him in. And he came in before the king, and he prostrated himself unto the king upon his face to the ground. So now Natan the prophet is bowing down to the king. And Natan said, My lord the king, did you say, Ad hold on, he says, Did you say Adonijah shall reign after me, and he shall sit upon my throne? Is that what you, like, did you, Natan, like, as if he's getting a clarification from the king. He's like, just, just tell me, did you ask Adonijah to sit on the throne? Did you proclaim him to be the king? Why, why do I ask this? For he has gone down this day, and he has slain oxen and fatlings and sheep in abundance. And he called all the king's sons and the officers of the army and of Yatra the priest. And behold, they eat and drink before him. And they said, Long live King Adonijah. I'm sorry, why did they slain all the animals? To create a feast, a carnation party. A new king party. That's what was going on. And they're now eating and drinking. And they're saying, they're saying L'chaim and long live King Adonio. Is this, David HaMelech, is this what you wanted? Just clarify, is this your plan? And me, even, your, even me, your servant, and Sadduk the priest, and Midyar, the son of Yodah, and Solomon, your servant, he did not call. He's cutting out those that he feels would be a threat and creating this alliance on his own. So if this matter stems from my lord the king, I wonder that you have not informed your servant who should sit on the throne of my, of my lord the king after him. In other words, if this is what you want, then I'm wondering how come you never mentioned this? We never heard anything about this Adonio reigning after you. Why haven't we heard anything? What is it that, what is your wish? That's the question. So it's kind of like good cop, back. it's not good cop, back up. It's like wife, prophet, it's different, different, she's pleading on behalf of her and her son, he's saying on behalf of the nation, on behalf of like what's right and wrong, 
There's like a lot of angles, but, but they're really, you know, they're really putting the squeeze now on David to make a decision. And King David answered and said, Call Bathsheba to me. And she came before the king and stood before the king. And he swore, listen to this. And he swore and said, I swear, as God lives, who redeemed my soul from all distress. In other words, as God lives, the same God that saved me from all my tsaras, me called Sarah, from all my, my, my troubles. Indeed, as I swore to you by the Lord of Israel, saying, Surely Solomon, your son, shall reign after me, and he shall sit on my throne in my stead. Surely so will I do this day. Just like I promised you then, I reiterate my promise today, that it's Solomon who shall reign after me. And Bathsheba bowed her face to the earth, and she prostrated herself to the king and said, Yechi Adoni HaMelech David Lo'olam, let my Lord King David live forever. David, Melech Yisrael, Chai, Chai, Vekayam. She said, let David, let King David live forever. Out of gratitude and thankfulness for affirming and confirming that her son Solomon would be the one that ought to sit on the throne. Ultimately, that's how the story plays out. Adonio is disposed of and Solomon takes the throne. But this is a story of succession. It's a, it's a dramatic story of succession, a story of how the throne succeeds after David with the controversy. Who shall take the throne? Adonio, Solomon, Solomon. And in a similar way, we can say we have the same theme in this week's Torah portion. Abraham is thinking about successorship, he's thinking about who's going to take over. Yitzchak, he needs a family. What about Ishmael? Ishmael himself concedes ultimately to Yitzchak, as I mentioned at the end of the Torah portion. Ishmael does tshuva and says, yes, you're the one. The line is going to go through you. But we see this idea of successorship happening in this week's Torah portion. Make sense? Right. Good. Yeah. Yes. Rabbi. Yes. Whose head rolls into the cave of the Machpelah? Is that Esau? Yes, not Ishmael. Esau tried to block the funeral of Jacob, his twin brother. Ishmael, by the funeral, was respectful and was buried as a righteous person. So he did not, he was not beheaded. That was not him. That was next generation down. Yitzchak's two kids, Jacob and Esau, that was that, that drama. So Ishmael, Ishmael passed away at Sandak. So what's the moral of the story? Number one, it's good to have clarity as to what happens next in general. It's good to have clarity, right? It's a good, good strategy to have clarity. And number two, we see that, um, as in these stories, the right answer prevails. Okay, so uh, what's, the, what's the message? What's the inspiration for the Shabbos? Based on the Haftorah, so we have to fight for what's right. Even if someone else is making a lot of noise, we've got to fight and stand up for what's right. Well, what was right was that he wanted Solomon to succeed the throne. It wasn't right to stay quiet just because Adonio was making a lot of noise and, 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 and taking the bull by the horn, so to speak. We've got to step in and, uh, and make sure that what's right actually takes place. All right, my friends, I want to wish you a good Shabbos, an inspiring Shabbos, a Shabbos filled with light, love, joy, and happiness, and only positivity. All right, uh, don't forget, Shabbat candle lighting is 18 minutes before sunset. Check your local listings for the time. And uh, let, me, let me find the time for you in Atlanta. The Atlanta local time for candle lighting, at least 3.06, is 5. No. No. Nope. That's incorrect. 6. Okay. 6.29? Is that correct? That's what mine says, 6.29. Could be, I thought it would be earlier, but maybe 6.29, or check your local listings to confirm that information. All right, I want to wish everybody a Shabbat Shalom, Charna, Donna, Ray, Sarah, Sandrine. Shabbat Shalom. Take Shabbat care, all. Bye, everybody. Shabbat See you Shabbat Sunday, Shabbat. please, God. Kabbalah and coffee. Take care, everybody. Yeah. Bye. Okay.